Well, friends, let us turn in the Word of God to Acts of the Apostles and chapter 2. Acts of the Apostles and chapter 2. And while you are turning to that passage, uh, I want to thank your minister for his kind words of welcome and also for inviting me to come and uh, represent the work of the TBS and also the Parcel Trust. And uh, it has been good to have fellowship with you. And also I bring you greetings. I was asked especially to bring you greetings from our church, Providence Baptist Chapel in Cheltenham, which is in Gloucestershire in England. Now I want to read to you from the Word of God from chapter 2 of Acts of the Apostles and verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and began to speak with other tongues, as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men, out of every nation under heaven. Now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded, because that every man heard them speak in his own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? And how hear we every man in our own tongue, wherein we were born, Parthians and Medes and Elamites, and the dwellers in Mesopotamia and in Judea and Cappadocia, in Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, in Egypt and in the parts of Libya about Cyrene, and strangers of Rome, Jews and proselytes, Cretes and Arabians, we do hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God. And they were all amazed, and were in doubt, saying one to another, What meaneth this? Others mocking said, These men are full of new wine. Amen. Let us bow before the Lord in prayer. Eternal God, we come before Thee to thank Thee and to bless Thee, that Thou art the same, the same God who was poured forth upon the people on that day. Thou art the same. And Lord, we pray that Thou wilt work a fresh work in our heart, that Thou wilt work a fresh work in Thy church throughout this land, O God, for we are in desperate state. The land is barren. It needs, O God, rain from heaven. And, O Lord, we pray that Thou wouldst work, begin that work with us, and bless, O Lord, this land again, that we might rejoice in Thee. O Lord, bless Thy word to every one of our hearts. Bless this congregation. Bless Pastor Brown, we pray that Thou wouldst help him and strengthen him and anoint his lips, O God, that every time he preaches he might know that Thou art at his elbow, that, that he's anointed from heaven, 
and that the word would, would go forth as an arrow and penetrate deep into sinners' hearts and slay many and bring to life many, O God. We know that Thou art the only one who saves, but we pray that this powerful gospel uh, would do great things even in our day, in saving souls, in building up of Thy people. O Lord, build up the breaches of Zion, we ask, and we, we pray that tonight we might see something fresh uh, of Thy work and have a vision of God. So help, Lord, we pray. Pardon our every sin we ask and give grace as we preach and as we hear these things. Amen. Dear, dear friends, I want to this evening uh, encourage you and to challenge you as I bring something of the report of what the Lord is doing in my country of Iran and also to encourage you by the Word of God that the Lord is all-powerful and is able to do that which He intends and that which we ask. I want to encourage you in prayer. I want to encourage you in evangelism. I want to encourage you in your walk with God and that you be a people who would wait upon the Lord. May we be as those who heard the apostles preach that day and for you to go out and say that you have heard the things concerning the wonderful works of God. May you know, not go out and say, well, what meaneth this? I hope you, I'll be clear. I hope you won't go out mocking either, as these people did. But I want to speak to you a little about the, what the Lord is doing, and I'm grateful for the opportunity that, that I have uh, here. Friends, in 2019, uh, <clears throat> there was a historic publication of the Persian New Testament by the Trinitarian Bible Society. The Persian or Farsi language is the primary language of the country of Iran, which is very much in the news. It has been in the past number of weeks, and in, in its several forms is spoken by many millions in the countries such as Tajikistan and Uzbekistan and Iraq, and also, of course, Afghanistan. And this um, vital publication of, of the New Testament uh, that uh, took uh, over 10 years of revision and translation work, uh, which it was overseen by the Trinitarian Bible Society. I think I brought a copy of it uh, to show you of, uh, of it, if I can, if I still have it. Yes, I have. But let me say some words of introduction. Um, of, of my country. Some of these things I want to say, it has maybe no relation to, uh, to the subject at hand, but I thought it would be interesting for you to have some sort of a background uh, to these things. Many of you are aware of the, um, the, the place where, where Iran is located. Uh, on the map, it is right in the center of the Middle East, um, right next to the country of Iraq and Afghanistan and Pakistan and so on. And and uh, you, um, under its ancient name, um, the, it was called the, the, the country of Persia. 
Uh, Iran has a powerful claim upon the interest and the prayers of the Lord's people. You think of, about Cyrus and you think about Darius and the involvement of these Persian kings uh, with the Jews' return from Babylon and from Persia. Here is part of the palace of Cyrus and Darius in, in, in the area which is called Shushan. And still to this day you can, you can visit it, uh, you can even view it on, on Google Maps if you want to, to, to see what it's like uh, from, from a satellite viewing. And uh, uh, these were places where the, where the kings would come and there are pictures, images inscribed on those walls of, of various kings that would come from various parts of the empire to bring gifts to these great and mighty kings. As a little boy, a nine-year-old, I never appreciated these things, but I, I was given the privilege to go and visit these sites with my family, and uh, I really had no interest in these things. I just climbed over stuff and uh, climbed over these, um, these things which I thought were big bricks and uh, didn't appreciate the fact that there's a, there's a great king buried under this. Uh, and here is the tomb of Cyrus the Great, who the, the, the scriptures speaks very highly of. And some of the inscriptions concerning uh, this great king that we read in the Word of God. Also, we have various other uh, uh, sites where uh, various prophets are, are, are buried. And these are genuine sites that have been um, uh, identified as such for many, many centuries, even before um, Islam came into the country. But here is where the tomb of Daniel is, is, uh, is in the um, very is close to that area, Shushan. And the Muslims have built a mosque around it because Muslims have, have a high view of some of these prophets. And, uh, and so they, they have made much of it. And you can still go in, inside of it and see it for yourself. But here is the inside of the tomb of, of Daniel. And... Uh, <clears throat> And also there are, there are various other sites, such as the tombs of Esther and Mordecai, um, that you will be able to go and see. It, it, it is based in the further northern side of, of Iran, in the city of Hamadan. And let me say that uh, it is something that people don't always appreciate, but outside of um, Israel, within the Middle East, the largest population of uh, Jews are found in Iran, and uh, various presidents of Israel, they have had their roots even in Iran, and some of them have had Iranian names, which is quite interesting. But these sites you can go and visit even today, and, uh, and, uh, and uh, they're of great interest. These are various kings, Artaxerxes, and, uh, that we read in Ezra and Nehemiah, both, both uh, of them. There are uh, prophets such as Habakkuk, that you can visit again his, his uh, tomb uh, in the city of Hamadan. And friends, throughout uh, the, the history, uh, even the Christian history, uh, we know, and I'm sure as good Protestants, you have read the Fox's Book of Martyrs, and I'm sure you know of what happened to Jude. Uh, Jude, uh, one of the disciples of our Savior, he uh, went after... The, the commission was, was made to the disciples. They did actually go into all the world to preach the gospel. And, and, and they did lay down their lives for the Savior uh, as, as they, they had yielded themselves to, to be spent for the Savior. It was only John who was 
uh, exiled on the Isle of Patmos, but the rest were executed in different ways. And Jude, he, um, um, he uh, went throughout the Persian Empire of the time, and he began preaching the gospel to people and sharing the gospel with, to people. And these were pagans. They had no background in Christian things. They, they didn't know what the Word of God was. But they heard this message of the gospel, which is the, the Scripture says, the power of God unto salvation. Do you believe that? Uh, d- dear friends, I, I feel that oftentimes we are living in a, in a time that the spirit of the age has come to us, and this spirit of fear that abounds, this spirit of negativity, we talk like the headlines. There are no good news on the headlines of the news. And Christians can talk like that. The situation is so bad and so sad and so hopeless. Do you talk like that? I hope ministers don't talk like that. I, I don't know about ministers over in Northern Ireland, but in, in England, it, it's all doom and gloom, it seems. And I have to say, I, I don't attend uh, any more any of these uh, fraternals of ministers who come together. Because it is just, everything is miserable. And uh, so, um, that's one of the reasons I don't, I don't attend these things anymore. Because what I see of the Lord doing is a positive thing. It's a powerful thing. Bad things have always been. But the grace of God abounds more and more. And that's what Jude found. He found these, these churches that, the, the, uh, the, of course... The church of Rome took over and uh, uh, later on, but in the early days there were places of missionary endeavor. And these, these Iranians who were converted, they would send out missionaries. This church here, they sent out missionaries right all the way to China. There are Iranian names inscribed on stones in uh, very ancient buildings in China where missionaries were sent. In the council of Nicaea, there were Iranian names that are present there. It is amazing. Do you have a positive view about the things of God? Here are other uh, churches that again were formed by, by, by Jude and other uh, disciples of the, of the Savior. Well, I, I won't spend uh, very much time, dear friends, on, on these things. Uh, now I want to say a little bit about the current state of things in Iran, and, and uh, I won't have time to go into all the details. Um, but friends, uh, many of you, well, maybe I shouldn't say these things, uh, some of you were, were probably alive at the time of the Ir- Iranian revolution in 1970, 1979. I wasn't there, but some of you were. And, um, and, some of these things. It must have been in the news how the Shah was cast out, the Shah of Persia was, was cast out of Iran, and uh, the Islamic Revolution took over. This man, who I would say is one of the greatest evangelists, uh, he, I will tell you why, uh, he uh, came into power, and the very strict Islamic regime came into power. Of course, before that, Islamic um, belief had come into the country in AD 637 as the Arabs invaded the Persian Empire and when the capital fell into the hands of the Muslims and then since then the Shiite uh, form of Islam 
uh, took over. Uh, and, and so the population, by and large, they, they, were, they were Muslims. There were 77 million um, Iranians, and 99% and of them are Muslims, at least nominal Muslims. But in 1979, uh, that, uh, that view of things changed. And, and so the Quran became the state rule book. And they wanted to adhere to it strictly. And people may look at the things in the Middle East right now and you think how awful it is. And how hard it is for people and how harsh things are for people. And where is God in all of these things, we might say. But my friends, do you always believe what the BBC tells you? Do you always believe what the media tells you? It doesn't tell you about what God is doing. And, and so, my friends, we, we ought to see beyond what we are bombarded with day after day. And we have to read what the Scripture tells us, that the promises of God are yea and amen, that Christ is actually building His church. He says, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And that's exactly what the Lord is doing. The Iranian Revolution of 1979 established, of course, a hardline Islamic regime. And then over the next two decades, uh, Christians uh, faced increasing opposition and persecution. All the missionaries were thrown out. They were cast out of the country. Uh, evangelism was outlawed. Bibles in, in the Persian language uh, were banned and soon became very scarce. And, and several pastors, these would have been old-school Pentecostal pastors mainly, they were, uh, they were killed, and these men preached the gospel, dear friends. We might have issues with their theology, but they did faithfully preach the gospel. They, they wanted to serve those unconverted people and to tell them about the Savior. And, and so, it, with all of their... Uh, let's say Arminianism and all kinds of things, we might say that, that it is not right. And they, it is not right. Yet they did preach Christ and Him crucified. And, and, and who will on that final day will receive, well done, thou good and faithful servant? Will it be me? Will it be you? Will it be them? Of course, it will be them. And I, I trust by the grace of God, we would also labor for the Savior, preach that powerful message of the gospel, and share it with others. But these people, they, they laid down their lives. But it was then that the Western world was filled with fear. What will these Muslims do? And what will happen to this fledgling, small, uh, evangelical church in, in Iran? Everybody thought that that little church will die out. That's what they thought. But what did happen? The, exactly the opposite has happened. Despite this continued hostility from the late 1970s till now, Iranians have become, uh, the, the Muslim people, most open to the gospel in the Middle East. If you actually talk to an Iranian, they will not refuse to receive a gospel. They will not refuse to receive a Bible, they would actually respect that. They would thank you for it. 
That's how things have turned around. But how did it happen? How did it happen? And there are some lessons for us today, dear friends, from what has happened. There are two factors that have contributed to this openness to the gospel and to Christian things. First of all, it has been this man and people like him. The, the violence in the name of Islam has caused widespread disillusionment with the regime and has led many Iranians to question their belief. This man has done something that no missionary has been able to do. That he has been able to, en masse, turn millions away from strict adherence to Islam. He's put people off, and his followers put people off. And so he's done something that nobody else, all of these missionaries being sent, sent there into Iran, they uh, haven't achieved what he has achieved. And if you were to talk to some uh, missionaries in North Africa, I have some friends in North Africa, and they say it is the Muslims who are doing the greatest work. The more they blow themselves up, the more they do all kinds of evil things, Muslims are being put off by their own religion. And they become open to the things of God. But that tells us something else as well. It, 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 it makes me think, well, can I also put people off? If these people have put people off about, about Islam, but can I not learn something from this? Is the way I live, is what I preach, is what I do and say, can that put people off? Friends, there is a great offense in the preaching of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. But let us not add to it. You know, the Lord has blessed us greatly, and maybe I'm going off the tangent a little bit. The Lord has, greatest, has greatly blessed us where I have been pastoring for, for the past 15 years or so, in, in, especially in this past couple of years. And, and uh, the Lord has blessed the preaching in the open air and door-to-door uh, -door witness and such things. But my friends, there are certain individuals who, who come from outside. And the way they preach, the way they conduct themselves, it, it, it does not commend the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I've had to stop them from preaching. But the Lord has brought people in. The Lord has brought people in, and, and they have, yes, they have been offended by the gospel, but praise God, they have been made to think, and they have made, been made to question that there is more to life than this. And, and so, so, dear friends, there is something for us to learn from people like that. Let us not follow suit in, in their evil actions and the way they conduct themselves, but let us preach this wonderful message of salvation which is a good news to sinners. Spurgeon said that most of our sermons should be with a smile on our faces because it is good news. The only times that we shouldn't smile, it should be when we are mentioning hell. And, 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 and that, that spoke to me some time ago. So that's one thing. But the second reason why there has been this sort of explosion of interest for the gospel in, in, in Iran has been that since the revolution, many Iranians, Iranian Christians, have continued to boldly and faithfully tell others about Christ. 
in the face of persecution. They have not, not been sitting in luxury. They have not enjoyed the many things that we do enjoy. They have walked with fear. They have, uh, after their services, going back home, it's taken them twice as long to get back home because as they're living in a police state, they have to take a long route, a windy route, circle their house a number of times before they go in, just in case the, the, the police are behind them. They are being followed. But they, they have sought to serve and labor for the Lord Jesus Christ, and the Lord has blessed it. So th that is something, again, for us to uh, take to heart and be encouraged by, that, that the sowing of the seed of the Word will, in time, produce fruit. It will not return unto the Lord void, the Scripture says. So don't give up. Don't be discouraged in, in serving God. Don't be discouraged if things become tough. Don't be discouraged when it is raining, when it is cold, when all kinds of things happen, normal day-to-day -day things happen. Don't give up. Ministers of the gospel are called to preach in season and out of season. When people will listen to you and when people won't listen to you. And dear friends, as a result... More Iranians have become Christians in the past 20 or 30 years than in the previous 1,300 years put together since Islam came to Iran. In 1979, there were about 500 evangelical born-again Christians in, in Iran from a Muslim background. Today, it cannot be numbered, at least those who do profess to be believers. Uh, they, they say that it is uh, probably a few million of them. And then there are many, many millions in Iran. The, the majority of the population, many would say that they are nominal Muslims. They don't actually believe uh, what they have been brought up to believe. And so that is why you see these riots going on, this marching going on in, in the streets, and people are speaking against the government. Well, friends, let me move on and speak about the Word of God and, uh, in Persian and the work of the Trinitarian Bible Society. <clears throat> From the early 19th century, Henry Martin, an Englishman uh, uh, who was a uh, wonderful missionary, sent out of England, the Church of England, to, uh, to India first, to Hindustan, that was known at that time. Uh, Henry Martin was a, was a great man. He was a weak man. He had very bad nerves and he was weak in, in his uh, physical uh, condition. He was weak. But he was yielded to the Lord. And my friends, you may feel so weak. You may, uh, you may become sick often. You may uh, have many, many limitations. As this man had his own limitations. But my friends, the Lord can use anybody for his own glory. Let's not be discouraged. And here was a man who, who by what he did, dominated the field of uh, Persian translation of the New Testament. 
his translation, and I have a, uh, now a TBS version of it, which is now revised and, uh, and uh, re uh, parts of it retranslated, but the, the, I didn't have um, uh, luggage space to bring uh, the other Bibles that I have. But his translation was first completed in the, uh, the first completed translation of the New Testament in the Persian language. It was translated directly out of the uh, Greek text, uh, which uh, the Trinitarian Bible Society publishes too. It is called the Received Text. Uh, various versions of it have been published. And the legacy of Henry Martin and his life's work was this Persian. New Testament. Now, how old was he when he died? He was, he was only 31. He was only an ordained minister of the gospel for seven years of his life. And see what he did do by the grace of God, with the power of the Spirit of God. This weak man who was very fearful of many things, yet the Lord used him in that short space of time. How long have you got? How long do I have? What have we done with our lives? What if we were to die tomorrow? What, what would we leave behind for the glory of God? Not for our own legacy, but for the glory of God. And here was a man who, when he died on the 16th of October, 1812, he was returning to England because of his uh, illness. He had not seen one single convert. He had prayed. He had sought the Lord. He had sought the witness of the Lord. He had distributed tracts and he had translated many tracts and distributed them. He had published the, the New Testament and he had not seen any fruit as far as he could see. But my friends, only time, only decades later, and over a hundred years later, this very Bible that he translated has brought about fruit. Hundreds and thousands of people have been converted through reading that. And dear friends, you may labor, you may knock doors, you may do this, you may do that. You may seek to serve the Lord in various ways and you're trying to be faithful. And yet you don't see the fruit of your labors. It does not matter. But be faithful. Be faithful unto death as Henry Martin was. And remember, you have just such a short life. Our life is passing away. And I think that it is, it is such a sad thing when we spend it on the things that really are, are not worth it. It is not worth it. On, on our deathbed, what we will think about will be eternal things. Things that were done for the glory of God. Well, friends, I want to encourage you in these things. I want to spur you on. But let me say something about this man, William Glenn, who, who was a Hebrew sent out from the Church of Scotland in the, in the mid-1800s. And he was sent out to Russia. He was to labor in St. Petersburg. And, and he, um, he would go out on the street witnessing to people, to the Russian people. And once he met an Iranian Jew who had come on business, but they only communicated in, in, in some Hebrew, and that was it. And he realized that there is no Persian Old Testament 
that this man has, does not have access to a Persian Old Testament. So he has spent some years studying the Persian language and then began the translation of the Old Testament from the Hebrew text, and which was then published in 1856. The final edition was published. And friends, if, if I was able to bring it, it is a very high, high uh, or great tome of a volume. It is about a, a stone or so in weight. And uh, so my, uh, the, the weight limit on my luggage would not allow it to bring it. But, um, but it, that, that book, do you know that that has been, uh, is available now in every university in Iran? How is that possible? That in an Islamic country, that the Christians have many limitations, and yet every university has a copy of this Bible. And it is a facsimile, it is a very well-made Bible, <clears throat> and they have simply copied the text, photocopied the text, and made it into a book form, and... And every university has it. Well, in 2001, the Iranian government commissioned a printer to print 4,000 copies of these because they said, this is helpful to retain our history. Because that text of that Bible standardized the, the Persian text and the grammar and the, uh, the spelling, very much like our authorized version that standardized the text of the English language as well and the grammar. And so the Iranian government paid themselves to, to publish this. And of course, they put an introduction at the beginning saying, well, the Christians, this is not a, a, the, the proper word of God. Christians have tampered with it, uh, but the Quran is the best. But I think, well, how many students would read the word of God in their, in their universities and say, this is a, in our library. We don't have to hide, hide it anymore. And only eternity will tell what God has done through His Word. So be encouraged. Both William Glenn and Henry Martin did not see any fruit while they were alive, but the Lord still blessed their work. And we, uh, many thousands and thousands of people have benefited. I must move on because our time is gone and I... I um, want to say some other things. But the Trinity Bible Society in uh, 2017 published the first edition of, of uh, the Gospel of John. I was at Whitfield College when, uh, when I was asked to begin a revision process of the Gospel of John, and it was published uh, well, in 2007, the first edition came out, and then an, another revisions came. The final edition came out in 2017. And then in 2019, uh, this, um, uh, the whole of the New Testament uh, was published by the TBS. And by the grace of God, please pray for this. There are many, many um, uh, steps to take still. But uh, we are working on the Old Testament, <clears throat> and we are uh, through much of it. We are, we are uh, into the latter part of Psalms, and, and, uh, and we are hoping that within the next um, two years or so, um, God willing, to have that full Old Testament finished and for, for the full Bible to be published as well. And uh, 
Let me say to you something just to encourage you. We might think that our prayers are, let me put it like this. We often pray and we don't expect the Lord to answer. Maybe it is me. We often pray and we don't expect the Lord to answer above and beyond what we ask. But the scripture says he will. And about two years ago, well, every day I pray for the work of God in Iran, for the, for the work of the translation and for the Lord's help and grace and for it to be published and for sinners to be saved and for, the, for Iranians to receive the word of God and all of these things. But in generalities, never expecting that in the process of time, during the past number of years that I've been praying these very general prayers, the Lord saved a printer in Iran. He, he came across the Word of God, and he read it, and he was converted. And then, because of his work, he had to flee, because he was, began to publish it, and then he got into trouble. His whole publishing house was, was closed down, and then he had to flee. Now he's living in Turkey. But, but his friends, who were also publishers, they began to speak to him, and he began to share things with them. And one or two came to him and said, do you know we could publish the Word of God? We could print uh, the uh, gospel in, in Iran? And so about a year ago, he contacted me and he said, do you know this is what we can do? And so we did a little test run. We said, okay, let's, let's print the TBS's John's Gospel. Let's print a thousand. And the printer did it. They did it even better than the edition we have, we have in, Iran, in, in England. It's a, it's a very glossy paper and excellent quality. They did it. And within a week, all of that, a thousand of it, was, was distributed. And then we thought, well, we better do more. While the iron is hot, as we say, so we published more and more. And after a few thousand of these, it, it came, the printer came to us and said, you know, I do get to publish the Quran, and the big problem we have had is, is getting Bible paper, the, the thin paper. And he said, you know, I do get those, but under um, the eyes of the Islamic regime, and I'm publishing the Quran, but, he said, I don't want to publish any more Qurans. I want to publish anything and everything. He even said, uh, the Communist Manifesto, he said, I'll publish. Uh, but, but I won't publish the Quran. So, so he, he said he will, he will do this for us. And so the TBS has sent him the files. And right now it, it is being processed. And, and he said that, that even though everything is tracked by the Islamic regime, um, that he would, on the final point, before the thing is printed, he would switch the files that, so that nothing is registered. It is, the printer registers that it is... It is printing the Qurans, but, but actually it is printing New Testaments. So please pray for that. He's doing that. He's putting his neck on the line. And, and yet, this is an ungodly man. He's not a believer. But for some reason, his heart is inclined. You see, this is what the Lord does. He, and and we, we pray these things, and we don't know what we are praying about. And yet the Lord answers above what we ask or think, the Scripture says. So you might be praying about things. 
Continue praying. Don't give up praying. You don't know. Maybe you will be gone as George Muller. He died not seeing one of his friends that he prayed for coming to know the Lord. But, but a number of years later, after Muller died, that friend came to know the Lord. So don't give up. Don't be discouraged about prayer. And please pray for these things. That, that the Lord would bless the, the printing of the Word of God. But let me say that, that by the grace of God, that uh, over the past number of years, we've been able to set up an organization uh, just to make sure that things are done correctly in translating uh, various literature, evangelistic literature, and, uh, and, and uh, commentaries, um, various books. And we all began, it actually began in Northern Ireland when I was a student, in, in starting to uh, translate uh, Alan Kearns's, Dr. Kearns's little book, booklet, A New Beginning. And, uh, and we have, I don't know how many we have published now, how many versions of it and how many editions of it we have, um, we have published, but it is now over 60,000 we have distributed just in about five to seven years uh, all over the world. And many thousands of them have been downloaded off our internet, the, the website that we have. And, and so we've set up a website, uh, and, and there are about 90-odd pieces of literature, booklets, books, uh, dealing with all kinds of issues. Iranians are, are in need of hearing a clear gospel. And, and so there are various literature for that. Iranians who are being... Uh, pumped by the West, all kinds of heretical views and the charismatics or they have the money and the resources and they are pushing their theology onto the people. We've been able to publish various books to, to uh, uh, deal with that and we have even, even as a Baptist, I've published the Westminster Confession of Faith uh, and, uh, and also the Shorter Catechism, but we are publishing the Baptist Confession of Faith soon as well, so don't worry. And um, we, um, have, we have been able to do these things to, to help those young men who've been pushed into situations in these underground churches to disciple the people who are under them. And uh, many of these books we have sought to, at the end of each chapter, they have oftentimes questions so that these these young men who have no training be able to lead their people to think biblically and to study these books biblically together. And we have been using social media, the, the internet, uh, Facebook, Instagram, all of these things which I hate, uh, and yet we have used it for the glory of God and because all the Iranians are there wasting their time on these things, and, and, and yet they come across uh, these kinds of things, and we put out uh, videos and, uh, and also sermon audio uh, that has been such a blessing to us. Right now there are about 1,200, over 1,200 uh, sermons that are out there. Uh, do, did you know uh, Dr. Cairns, he preaches in Farsi? Even Spurgeon preaches in Farsi or in Persian language. How do they do it? Uh, well, I, one time I phoned Dr. Kens when he was alive, and he said, did you know you're preaching in, in Farsi on, on the Internet? He said, well, how? I never learned it. And uh, I said, well, what do I do? I translate it, and then I preach it myself. And I got permission from him to modify it. I said, there are stuff you say which has, people have no clue. Probably people who heard it didn't have a clue either. But, um, uh, but I, I said to him that there, there are always some idioms in our language, and Northern Irish 
folk, they have some idioms I still don't understand. So we, we change it slightly, modify it for, for people to say. In every language you have idioms. So we would say, um, for example, at the drop of the hat. How do you translate that? What would a foreigner think? What do you mean by that if we translate it? So we would translate it differently. Or if, uh, in my language, we would say, uh, if, if you were to send someone on a, on a red herring, um, I don't know the exact expression we would say in English, but we would say we would put watermelons under their arms. And, uh, and so it means we, we send them away for some sort of a crazy work, uh, useless task. And, uh, and so you can't translate that kind of a thing. You have to find and modify this slightly for the, for the hearer to, or reader to understand it. So, so we have been doing that kind of a thing. And, uh, and Dr. Paisley's sermons, some of them have been, have been done. And uh, George Whitfield, Spurgeon, many of Spurgeon's sermons, and many other faithful preachers we have uh, translated and then re-preached uh, their messages. And they're being downloaded. I wish it was the same with my sermons in English, but during the lockdowns, we were getting something like 40,000 downloads a month, uh, and, but it wasn't my sermons, it was all these other people's sermons that we had, we had done. And, uh, but the Lord is working through these things, and we never thought that these things were possible. We never thought that opportunities like this would come to us. But pray, please, for us. And right now, we are actually if I could say this too, we are uh, creating an app. Um, we, are, we are helping out with Sermon Audio. To, they have, they are transla- we have translated their app into Farsi as well. So, so it's very soon uh, you will get an update on your phones if you use the Sermon Audio app. And it will update it so that you will actually have option to change everything into, into Farsi, which would be wonderful. And uh, so... <clears throat> But we're also designing a separate app that all of the literature that we, have, we do translate, it will be then done in audio. So it will be as audio books. People can listen to them. And I don't know about you, uh, in, in, in our day, people don't read very much anymore. But they do listen. Uh, we, and we would do it. We do it, don't we? When we are commuting, when we are going to work or whatever, we listen to sermons. We listen to books and so on. Well, we are producing all of that, and, um, and there are at the moment 90 separate um, literature books, booklets are, are being uh, done. And again, let me say to you this. We never prayed, prayed thinking this would be possible, but we did pray. But just about six months ago, we found out that there's a company in Iran, a Muslim company, and they, they would, they have professionals reading and recording professionally literature that they receive. So we thought, let's try it. Let's send them the files. Let's pay for it and see if they would do it. And here are Muslims. Of course, they're getting paid for it, but they said we would do it. And so right now, there are these Muslims who are reading reformers' works, Puritan works, uh, evangelistic literature, all these different tracts, and uh, they're reading them right there in Iran, recording it, sending it back to us, and then there are believers who listen to these things to make sure that they're read correctly and nothing is left out. And then that to be released, God willing, by the end of this year. Please pray for these things. Uh, We never would think that such things could be done, that the Word of God could be printed in Iran. 
The BBC would not tell you this. Or, or that Muslim professional um, uh, people uh, who are actually working on the Iranian radio would be recording gospel literature. It's amazing. I, I have to say, I, I, I have done nothing about these things. I just stand and watch what the Lord is doing and how God is answering prayer. So, dear friends, be encouraged. You, you might be doing things, you might gather together and you think, well, our prayers are so weak. And, dear friends, don't give up. Don't lose heart. The Lord is King. As we sing, the Lord is King, lift up thy voice. And, and don't lose heart. The Lord will work in His own time, in His own way. Let us not limit God in any way. Pray for your pastor that the Lord would help him, strengthen him, anoint his lips with, with that blessing of heaven. Bring people in. Let me say this to you by word of challenge. I'll, I'll show you something here. There is a cost involved in, in all of these things, in Bible translation, in all of these things that I've been talking about. And the price is not the money. Price is people being yielded to God, being spent for the Lord, and being willing to be persecuted, being willing to suffer for Christ, being willing to lose their families, being willing to have to run away from home with just a bag in their hands, and they've left everything else behind. That's the kind of life that God will bless, who is willing to be spent for the Lord. And friends, there are individuals who have paid a great price, my own friends and, and those who are laboring with me. Here is a couple. You can pray for them. Muhammad and Atifah, now they are in safety. But for many years, they labored in Iran. Do you know what they used to do? I wonder if your pastor says to you, tonight at midnight, we're all going to go out evangelizing. We're going to go and distribute literature tonight. Will you go at midnight? Well, they did go at midnight. This husband and wife, they would go pack their bags with full of TBS calendars, with literature, with gospels that we had, uh, gospel tracts that we had, um, we had done for them. They would print it, or even they would go to a printer and they, they would get, get them printed and they would go out and distribute them, put it through people's letterboxes. And, and, and the government hated them for it. And ultimately, they had to flee the country for it. But that's the kind of attitude that they have. And do you know what he said to me? This Muhammad said to me once. He said, do, you, do your people bring people to church with them? I said, well, some do, but most. It's really hard. It's difficult. He said, how is it? We brought people to church in, in, in the difficulties under Islam. We brought people. We invited them. Let us go and hear the word of God. And you in freedom don't take people to church. He just couldn't get it. And I, and I tried to give him all the excuses I could. But he said, I just don't understand it. You're in freedom and you don't use the opportunities that you have. And still he can't get it. Dear friends, what do you do? It, I, it puts me to shame. It puts me to shame. When was it last time you brought anybody to hear the Word of God and the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ? When did we share the gospel clearly to somebody? Well, there's people like that who, 
who I, I feel so ashamed, unworthy, when I, when I think of them, when I talk to them. There's this, this brother here, his name is Mustafa. He was imprisoned for two years after they found one of the early editions of the Gospel of John in his home. And he was proofreading it for us. And he, was, he suddenly vanished, and we didn't know where he was. And, and, uh, and it was later that he was released after two years, and he contacted me and he explained what had happened to him. Please pray for people like that. There are others who are in prison. These, these various families are, are in prison like right now. And others who, since I, I made this PowerPoint presentation, they, uh, friends of ours who were distributing those Gospels that were printed in Iran, they have been, uh, they have been captured. They are now in prison waiting for their court case to go through. And most likely, one of the brothers will be receiving a two-year jail sentence. And that sister might receive some kind of a fine. Friends, pray. Pray for such things. Pray for the work. Pray for those and remember them that are in bonds as bound with them, as the Scripture says. Pray for the establishment of true believers and that the Word of God would go forth. And, and let me say to you as well, let me finish this part of, of the message by, by quoting you this prayer of Henry Martin. And this is what we are about. Is this what you are about? This is what we are about. Increase my zeal, that though I am but a feeble and obscure instrument, I may struggle out my, day, my few days in great and unremitting exertions for the demolition of paganism. That's what we are about. The demolition of pa paganism. That's what we are praying for. And the setting up of Christ's kingdom. That's what we are about. We are not about this world. We are not about building up of our own lives, but the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. And remembering that the preaching the gospel, the gospel itself is the power of God unto salvation. Friends, will you take these things home with you? Will you consider them? Will you pray over these things and pray over your own life and what's happening in your life and your intentions, your motives? Why do we come to church? Why do we evangelize? Will you pray that all of these seats will be filled with people who are desperate for the things of God? We are living in a land that are pagan people all around us. You know, on last Sunday morning, last Lord's Day morning, I was there early, and this, this young man in his 20s, he just walked in. He didn't know I was the minister. He just walked in. He didn't even say hello. And uh, he just walked in. He was an Englishman. Uh, so... He didn't say hello. Uh, so he, he just walked in and uh, went right and sat in the front. I thought to myself, well, he mustn't be a Baptist because the Baptist would sit right at the back. You must be, some of you must be Baptist too. Um, but, but he came and sat right in the front and, um, and I went to him and I began to speak to him. He said, you know, I've never been to any church before in my life. And so I thought, well, that's why. He never even picked up a hymn book. He didn't know that we are singing hymns. So I brought him a hymn book and he said, what is this? And, and I, I had to explain, just like a child, I had to explain to him the basics. Here's a hymn book. Do you want the Bible? He said, well, I don't know how to read the Bible. I don't know where to begin. So we, we sat somebody with, with that young man 
pointing him to the scriptures. I preached a sermon. Afterwards, he said, I've never heard a sermon in my life. Here is an Englishman, young man, never been to church, never had a Bible, never sang a hymn. And my heart broke. I thought to myself, where are we? What are we doing? Why wasn't this young man reached before? What have we been doing as a church? Friends, we are living in such a world. This is no longer a Christian country. It's become so pagan and so godless. But what are we doing as a church? So I encourage you, don't give up whatever you are doing to reach the lost. But let me now point you to another passage of the Word of God, if I may. Just for a few minutes, I want to, you to turn to if, uh, Philippians, Philippians chapter 4. Philippians 4, very quickly, I want to say just a few things to encourage you. Philippians chapter 4, and for the sake of time, we will just uh, read the final three verses of this chapter. Here is the Apostle Paul, great man of God. He's in prison. And if you have read Philippians, and I'm sure you have, you would see that this is a, an epistle filled with joy, filled with life, filled with praise. I remember first time reading this, I had no idea that, that this was written by a man who was in prison. And I thought to myself, I am the one who is in prison. He is free. And he finishes his epistle, and there's a specific reason that he finishes his epistle like this. He says in verse 21 of Philippians chapter 4, Salute every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren which are with me salute and greet you. All the saints salute you, chiefly they that are of Caesar's household. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. That's how he finishes it. Will you finish an, a letter like this with greetings, with salutations? No, we begin the salutations right at the beginning of our email or letter or whatever. We, we say hello right at the beginning. But the apostle finishes his epistle with, the, with this salutation. And I think there is something in this for us to take and to, to uh, be encouraged by. So let me say to you this. First of all, from this text we see this. The importance of the communion of the saints through life and ministry. The importance of communion of the saints through life and ministry. The first thing that the Apostle Paul writes from Rome to the Philippians he says, salute every saint in Christ Jesus. Salute or greet every saint in Christ Jesus. Why does he say that? Why does he not say, I, I, I greet all of you. Greet the whole congregation for me. Why does he say, salute every saint in Christ Jesus? He says it in a way that is so interesting. In other words, the Apostle Paul is wanting to extend his, his personal greeting, not simply to the congregation at large, but individually. He wants them to know that he's sending his greeting to them as individuals. So he's saying, I salute you, I salute you, I salute you, I salute you. His, his, his greeting, individuals. He's making connection with individuals. This is an epistle for you as an individual. And so he says, salute every saint. These individuals are saints. 
and he greets them. He loves them. And these are people who have been set aside as saints of the Lord Jesus Christ. Then he extends the greeting from the brothers who are with him. These brethren also salute you. And then he goes on to say, all the saints salute you. Do you see? He's moving from himself to the brethren to all the saints in Rome. What is that telling you? There's a great interest from him, from his brethren, for those who are working with him, from the churches in Rome to those believers in, in Philippi. We are interested in you. We pray for you. We greet you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's how I began, if you remember. I brought a greeting from our own church. Why is that? Because they asked me, make sure you, you bring greeting to the church. Make sure you, you say that, that we are praying for you. And, and every Lord's Day morning, do you know we pray for you? I have a great affinity and love for the free church. And, and we, we spend time on Lord's Day morning praying for your minister, praying for the churches, Ask God, Lord, revive. Lord, work. Lord, bless. And what unites us is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so much that unites us in Christ, whom we love. And here is this interest with, from people miles and miles away. They know so little of each other. And they know there are people who love the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's why I believe you've come here to hear a message about uh, the Lord's work amongst Iranians and, and Iranian saints, believers there. Because I believe you, you also care for them. You want to know more about them. You want to pray for them. If you could, you would greet them. Let me ask you this. Do you greet one another? It's a really hard thing, especially in the so southern part of England, to get a hello from people. Uh, you know, when we left Northern Ireland, people don't talk to each other. They, they, they go uh, pass each other on the streets, and they don't even say hello. And I, I used to say hello, and I still do. My wife does it more. But, um, it, but, but we were amazed. They don't greet one another. The connections are lost. We are just people walking as, as ships in the night without communicating. Do you communicate with one another? Do you know what's going on? Do you take interest? Not for gossip, but real interest. Do you shake one another's hand with care? Forget about the holy kiss. Don't kiss each other. But, but do care for one another and actually talk to one another. That's a, that's a great challenge for me. I want to just encourage you as a church to show that love and care for one another, for it to be genuine. But I must move on. I hope I'm not saying some things. Well, it doesn't really matter if I step on some toes. I, I, um, I am a visitor. I can do those kinds of things. But um, I want to encourage you to have this kind of a care. But secondly, and this is where I want to actually concentrate on, is the power of God. We see the power of God here and the power of the gospel of the Lord for conversion, even in the halls of power. Do you see that? He says in verse 22, All the saints salute you, chiefly they that are of Caesar's household. 
Paul the Apostle is showing us the power of God's gospel for conversion, even in the halls of power. He's showing us the power of the gospel by the power of the Holy Spirit. When it is applied, it changes sinners, even the darkest, hardest of sinners, in the most remotest places that he could not go into. But somehow the gospel goes in. And so he says, all the saints salute you chiefly, they that are of Caesar's household. He says, there are certain other people who are also greeting you, who are interested in you, who are part of the family of Caesar, Caesar Nero. Now, I don't think it is accidental that, it, that the Apostle Paul mentions this right at the end of the letter here. You see, friends, what had happened to this, to this apostle? He was in prison. Yet he had been sent out, he had been commissioned, he had been provided for by the Philippians, and he gets to Rome and he gets into a prison. He gets himself in, into a prison. What can he do? So people were criticizing his methods. People were saying, well, how can you serve the Lord? How can you labor for the Lord? What, what can you do now? You, you are an apostle. We thought the Lord would, would use you mightily, and now you've got yourself into prison. You are so limited now in, in what you are doing. You can't do much. What will happen to the gospel? What will happen to the church of Jesus Christ? And right at the beginning in chapter 1 and verse 12, the Apostle Paul says, But I would ye should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel. So he's saying, look, don't think that the gospel has been stopped because I'm in prison. Don't think... And we could say this to, to those believers in 1979 when they were fearful of the gospel in Iran and what would happen to the church in Iran. So don't think that these things are happening. It is going to end the work of God. No. He's saying don't think these things. The gospel is going right ahead even though I am in prison. In fact, what has happened to me in serving the gospel is serving the gospel. It's become known throughout the whole imperial guard and all the rest uh, have found out that my imprisonment is because of Christ. It is for Christ. So the Apostle Paul is saying there in, First Corinth, uh, in, in Philippians chapter 1 and verses 12 and 13, even though I'm in prison, it's been used to, for the gospel. And yet he waits right until the end and he explains to you how it's gone into Caesar's household. There are believers there, even there. I couldn't reach it. I couldn't go myself. But these guards that have been guarding me, they have been hearing these things. They've heard my prayers. They've been singing, hearing me singing the hymns to God, to the Lord Jesus Christ. And they've been taking the message in. This is what this man is like. Do you see, dear friends, all the saints in, in Rome are greeting you, especially those in the household of Nero, who is the Caesar. Think of it, dear friends. Thirty years after our Lord Jesus Christ is crucified, this marginal, persecuted minority sect has converts 
in the household of the emperor of the Roman Empire. 30 years after our Lord Jesus Christ died. 197 years uh, AD, Tertullian, the church father, could write a letter to the Roman citizens and he said this, he says, we are but of yesterday. That is, we are only, we've only been around for such a short time. He says, we are but of yesterday, but we have filled your empire, he says. Your cities, your islands, your forts, your towns, your marketplaces, your very military camps, your wards, your companies, the palace, the senate, the forum, all these, he says, all of these swarm with Christians. Imagine that. That early church father could write. My friends, he is writing like, as a, like, a, like a soldier. Saying, we have conquered you. He actually says this. We have left nothing to you but the temples of your God. They are the only places that you can name in your empire where there are not Christians. My friends, are you discouraged this evening? Listen to this. You are a soldier of the Lord Jesus Christ. The captain of our salvation is going ahead of us. He has conquered. He has won. He has finished his work upon the cross. We glory in his cross. The preaching of the gospel is the power, his power unto salvation. To all who believe. But how do you fight? Are you fighting? Are you living your life uh, with sadness and with worries and with fears and you, with defeat? Are you complaining and saying the situation is hard, it's difficult, we have all these oppositions? Well, those things have always been the case. You and I ought to know we are on the winning side. The church of Jesus Christ is conquering this world because Christ is building his church. And nothing can stop it. No ayatollahs will stop it. No atheists and Charles Darwin's and, Dar Dar Darwin's and Richard Dawkins of this world will stop it. The Lord is saving souls. You know, on Sunday morning, what happened to me? I had to climb and uh, climb over people's legs to get into the pulpit. It's never happened before. It's, I, I don't know how it has happened. Well, I do know. God has been graciously answering prayer. Uh, our, before the lockdowns we had, and I'm not boasting here, I'm just trying to encourage you. And I'm trying to say to you that continue on, pray on, don't give up. Have a positive view about things. Don't think the things that you're doing are too small. They're not beneath the Lord. The Lord will use them. Whatever you are doing, do it for the glory of God and pray on. You know, before the lockdowns, we were, we were about 60 people. In the sense of, in the standard of the English churches, that, that wasn't too bad. But through the lockdowns, the lockdowns have been the best thing. COVID has been the best thing for us, we could say. Uh, I'm sure our people wouldn't say that, but I say it. But the Lord has brought in people. He has blessed the open-air preaching, the tract distribution, the gospel distribution. People put out boxes of Bibles outside of their homes. They said people won't come to our church to, to hear the Word of God. Well, we put out a bo box of Bibles and just put on it free Bibles. Within two, three months, 600 Bibles were taken. We never did anything. It was a lazy evangelism, I called it. 
And, and we just put a box outside, and we hoped that people would, would uh, take Bibles. And they did. Young people would come and take your Bible and leave a note of thanks in the box. And we did nothing. Just prayed. And we, we, we were, when we were on Zoom, we were praying every single day. We had Zoom meetings uh, every single day that we, we committed for months. And we would meet up at lunchtime and, and for half an hour to seek the Lord and plead with God earnestly. And I said to the, to the people, I, I said this, and again, I don't want to step on anyone's toes. Sometimes our prayer meetings are just information that we are just passing on to God. We're saying to the Lord, Lord, this is happening, and that is happening, and this is awful, and what's happening here is awful, and this is awful, and, and then the prayer meeting is finished. We have not asked for anything. And so I said to the people, well, the Lord knows all of these things. The Lord knows better than you all the stuff that's happening around the world. Let's ask Him for stuff. Let's ask Him for things. Plead with Him for mercy, and plead with Him that He would save and convert and bless the preaching of the gospel. And do you know God has been doing that? I encourage you to continue pray earnestly to God. Don't give up. Pray for your minister. Pray for all the different aspects of the work of God. And the Lord will answer that. Know that you are a soldier of the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't have a defeatist mentality that it is all doom and gloom and it will wax worse and worse. Well, it does wax worse and worse in the world. But my friends, the church of Jesus Christ is gaining, gaining members. The elect are gathered in, being gathered in. And do you know who is losing members? It's Satan. His kingdom is losing, losing members all the time. He is a miserable foe. He's angry. He's upset. Because Jesus Christ is, has won. And his people are on the winning side. So don't give him the glory. Give God the glory. Go on serving. Go on um, being a blessing and encouragement to one another. And oh, one day, may the Lord be merciful to us that one day, Belfast, many, many thousands would come to know the Lord, that the churches would be built again, that the breaches would be filled again, that God would be glorified in our midst, that our children would be saved that our Sunday school, our various endeavors that we are doing, we would see children coming to know the Lord. You know, one of the most touching things, and time is gone, the most touching thing I began to see, children in our prayer meetings, they were coming to prayer meetings, midweek meetings. There were about 10 children in our prayer meetings. And, and they, they wanted to pray with the adults, And I thought that, that this child wants to pray. Can I stop that child from praying? And he would stumble over, over his words, but he prayed with faith for his brothers, for his friends. Oh, that we would have such days. That, that we would hear the cries of children for other children in our midst. Do you have that vision? I... I, I thank God for you and I'm so glad that you've come out and to hear this mishmash of material that I brought before you but I hope you're encouraged I hope you're challenged too I hope that you're realizing that 
that the, the work is not to finish. It is to go on. We are to, you, you must go with the attitude, Belfast must be saved. We must conquer by the grace of God, not by the use of force, by the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ, by faith, by prayer on our knees. And God will bless it. You sow with tears, and the Lord will bring salvation to this place. The Lord will fill this house with people who would sing His praise. Oh, let us pray for that. Let us trust the Lord for that. Let us preach like that. Let us not fill each other's ears with all kinds of sad things of this world. The Lord Jesus said, the poor you will have with you always. The sad things, the bad things we will also have in this world always. But let us go on trusting in the Lord, dear friends. So be encouraged, be challenged, and may God bless you. I'm so thankful for the time that you've given me, and I appreciate the fact that I've gone over my, my time, and my wife is always right. Whenever I'm away, I preach longer. So there we are. But I trust that you're encouraged. May God bless you. Thank you. <laughs>